0: Merry Christmas and welcome to the Gospel to Gillette podcast. I'm your host, Nick White. In this episode, episode two, we speak with Pastor Matt Melton, Pastor Philip Jones, Pastor Toby Holden, Pastor Don White about Christmas. Yeah, Christmas and what it has to do with the gospel. Some of us may be surprised to find out that Christmas isn't just about giving or about setting up a Christmas tree or hanging tinsel. But that Christmas has a lot more meaning, especially in light of what Christ has done for us. We'll start out with just reminding our listeners, what is the Gospel to Gillette and uh, what is it about?
1: Gospel to Gillette is a shared effort of believers, pastors, congregations here in Gillette to proclaim a crucified and risen Christ as the Savior, the savior of men.
0: Okay, so what does the gospel have to do with Christmas?
2: No one in all of history has the ability to be righteous. No one in all of history has the, the ability to drive towards God and be righteous. No one does. And a lot of people fool themselves thinking that they're, they're seeking after God and they're righteous. But the Scripture makes it clear no one is. Except one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's who Christmas is all about. And so you have to start with the foundation of we are desperately needy. We cannot, we cannot fix our problem. We are separated from God. We are desperately wicked. And so then Christmas comes in.
3: Yeah, I think Christmas is part of plan A. You know, it's not Plan B that you know things begin to fall apart, yeah. and then God shows up on the scene. You, you got to go back to creation and look at this good God that created this good creation. You know, humanity was very good, and then there was a fall, and you know uh, the the whole kind of uh, creation began to unravel. There was brokenness. There was a separation between. Uh, the man and his wife, and between the man and God, and between the man and himself, and between the man and, crea- and the creation itself. And this is all part of God's redemptive plan, a rescue mission, so that when Christ comes on the scene, he's the rescuer. He's the hero of the story. Come to save and redeem and reclaim. And then that's part of the larger story from creation to fall to redemption and restoration.
0: Speaking of Genesis and the big picture and, and the Old Testament, uh, what prophecies about Christ were fulfilled?
1: Well, again, I mean, you start back in Genesis 3. Genesis 3.15 is the first recorded, first recorded prophecy in all of Scripture, and it, it anticipates uh, the seed that would come and would crush, crush the, uh, the head of the serpent. Uh, so in Genesis three fifteen, there was an, an anticipation. I mean, this is this comes right on the heels of the fall. This is the sin has occurred, mankind is, is fallen, a judgment is being rendered. But in the the midst of that judgment, there is hope that one will come. So that's the first. I mean, there's many prophecies throughout the Old Testament that, that anticipate where he was going to be born, what he would do, uh, the nature of, of his uh, of his death and his sacrifice. You see that in Isaiah 53. There's all sorts of different prophecies that point forward to the personal work of Christ. But what's interesting is none of them started like halfway through the book or three quarters right. or through the book. And Christmas itself certainly is, was didn't fall out of the sky as a giant cosmic surprise. The very first. Uh, prophecy in all scripture pointed to that day when Christ uh, would uh, be born in the manger and, and ultimately pointed to His sacrifice and the cross. It's interesting how many prophecies there really are in the
2: Old Testament and how many were fulfilled in Christ. They were all fulfilled in Christ, but there's just... There's so many. The weight of the prophecies that he fulfilled was, was staggering. What's interesting is, like, my grandfather... Um, he looks at the Old Testament as a book for the Jews and the New Testament as a book for the Gentile. And so he doesn't look into the Old Testament in any way, shape, or form. And so for him, Matthew chapter one was this big surprise, just like, like you said, Toby. There's this surprise that wow, we get a Savior. He came out of nowhere and, and we had no expectation. But it is so not true. The Old Testament is clearly all looking forward to a to a Messiah. The whole idea of Moses leading the people out of the promised land. He he's this idea, this shadow, the sign of a savior to come. He's a type of, of Savior, but he's not the Savior. And he's everything points towards Jesus. And it's just such a huge mistake to look at the Bible as separated and seeing Jesus as New Testament, not Old Testament. Oh, he's all throughout. He's all throughout.
4: The expectation was building and building until the fulfillment. That's an excellent point to think that even the Old Testament patriarchs were saved by faith in Christ, looking forward to Christ. In Galatians 3 8 it says the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So in in a sense the gospel of Christ was already sort of preached to Abraham as he looked forward to Christ, so people would say, well, people were saved by works of the law in the old testament, when in reality they were saved by looking to Christ before you know, looking ahead to Christ and putting their faith in
1: him. He believed and it was accounted to mm-hmm. him as righteousness. Right? Yeah.
0: Okay, with this question I'm gonna shift gears a little bit. In Luke chapter two, verse ten as the angels are visiting the shepherds before uh, Christ's birth, they tell them that they're bringing good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now, why is it that the angels were saying that this event was good news for all people?
1: Because they understood what was at stake. That's the bottom line. The (laughs) angels understood what was at stake, and that's something that... uh, uh, throughout the ages, and certainly in our day, has been, has been lost. And we sing joy to the world. Right. I, I, and, it, you know, good news of, of great joy, he, he, the angels go on to talk about this day a Savior is born to you. That's the good news. So the, the real issue of why we should be happy and, and, and joyful and excited at Christmas time deals with salvation, deals with the fact that one has come to redeem us, that although we are sinners, although we have have lived uh, lives at enmity with Christ prior to to, to, uh, our hearts being changed, that uh, those sins will not be held against us because one has come to deliver us, one has come to lay down his life in our place. So again, the angels had an understanding uh, of of what was at stake. They had an understanding of the glory of God. They knew what it meant for the heavens to part, for God to come down in the form uh, of a babe. Uh, they had a heavenly perspective, and that, uh, that fueled their words. So when we hear good news of great joy, that, that should give us confidence, should give us joy, should give us assurance this season.
2: Hmm. You know, it's, uh, <clears throat> especially in, in light of, of Judaism at the time of the birth of Christ, it was really ruled by oral tradition and the rule of man rather than the rule of God. And I don't think in that tradition you found a lot of joy and and freedom and peace and knowledge of God. Instead, you found bondage. And the law was really designed to let you know you could not do this on your own. You needed a Savior. And the angels come along and proclaim, we're bringing good news. This is good news. You are about to find freedom, and it's being born right now. That's amazing.
3: I think a lot of people think of Christianity uh, falsely as kind of this ladder that we climb to God. That's kind of like uh, you know, Jacob's ladder in the Old Testament. And we, we kind of look at, uh, you know, if I go to church, then I get up a rung. If I read my Bible, if I pray, these are rungs that I climb to God. But the good news of great joy is that God came down the ladder. Jesus is the ladder.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, that we reach up to God with, you know. And He's come down to us. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us, God for us. He, and the whole idea of the, of the gospel is it's not religion. It's not uh, us trying to earn our way to God, but it's, it's God saying, I accept you. I love you. Now, now you can do the good deeds that you want to do, that you ought to do. So Christ, you know, He, he lived the life that we should have lived. And then He died the death we should have died. And and, and parts of that, people don't like the the bad news part of that. They like the good news part. But you don't get the great news without realizing the bad news that, you know, I'm I'm far more sinful than I ever dared admit. But the gospel is I'm far more loved than I ever dared hope.
2: There's also this idea of justification. The scary thing is my my father is, is on a committee that meets with new pastors or wannabe pastors. He just did an interview two weeks ago with six prospective pastors. Only one knew a Bible verse on how to define justification. Out of six, you get know, to turn to Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that justification <clears throat> That idea that we—it it is just as if we had never sinned. That's what Jesus does. He makes it as if we had never sinned. And so we can actually have peace with God now. Because in our sinful condition, we cannot have peace with God. And five out of six prospective pastors, newly graduated from seminary, could not define what that is. And that is really kind of the what it means, Christmas means. It's this idea of... God Himself coming down and providing our justification, making it as if we had never sinned, making it so we can actually have peace with him. And five out of six couldn't even define
1: that. I was shocked to hear that. I guess I shouldn't be, but I was. Well that's you know the whole the whole reason for the motivation for doing gospel to to Gillette to begin with is a recognition that there is a, a void not just among them. Pastoral candidates, but especially among just the general population, there's of Yeah, confusion over what uh, what salvation entails. And if you ask most people, they'll point back to some uh, work they've done, even, even if it's the you know, act of writing their name in the back of the Bible, or they'll just defer to the fact that they've been good people. Or it's even a works. I raised my hand
2: at a meeting to receive Christ. Oh. I did something. Mm-hmm. And,
1: yeah, and and. And so their hope is sustained, and, and if they were to stand before the king and to explain why, why they deserve to be there, if, if you can even phrase it that way, they would respond with some work or actions or mountain of works that they think have done by which they can climb into, mm-hmm. into heavens. And I think as we talked about in our last podcast, the, you know, the right answer is that no one deserves to be there. It's only through, through grace as received by faith that any of us has, has a hope. And so our works, while they testify to the hope that's within us, they do not save us.
3: I love what uh, philosopher uh, Rabbi Zachariah, says about Jesus coming. He says, you know, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He, made, he came to make dead people live. That's the whole idea of the gospel is that we're, we're dead in our sin. We're not just hurt, not just wounded. But we need, we need a new heart, we need a new, you know, a new mind, a new will. We need all this rebirth. I and mean, that's what Jesus came to do, is to, to give us that. That's good.
0: So what is the importance and relevance of Christmas to Gillette?
2: I think our, our culture has elevated Christmas because it's about giving and, frankly, receiving. And we've diminished Resurrection Sunday or Easter And we flip flopped where the importance lies. The importance of Christmas is looking forward to Easter or Resurrection Sunday because that's where the fulfillment of all this goes. This is where we're still looking forward to, uh, at least calendar-wise, a a bigger event. Christmas kind of launches Jesus' actions, but it's not the fulfillment of, of his actions. But obviously, it's a, it's a great celebration because we're, there's this air of expectation. And for me as a pastor in a, in a community, I'm, I'm hopefully pointing people not towards Christmas as much as pointing them towards salvation is fulfilled in Christ's death and resurrection. That's where it all comes to fruition. But I think it's a big mistake to focus overly on Christmas and make that the penultimate event of, of Christianity because it's not. It's a, it's a huge event,
4: and it's a great thing to celebrate, but it is not the, the pinnacle of Christianity. That's a good point. I think because of the commercialization of Christmas, it's become more of the focus as opposed to Resurrection Sunday because it's it's embraced by everybody, some for secular means to, re, to give and receive, whereas Easter is embraced for other, other reasons but not quite as universally in, even in our country. But I I think as far as the relevance of Gillette, because Gillette economically is stronger than other parts of the country, I think it makes it more difficult for the impact of the gospel to really take hold in people's lives because there is that element of self-sufficiency. Since Christianity is, and I'm using that phrase for lack of, you know, just for illustration purposes, it's a rescue religion, whereas, say, liberal theologians and many secular people see that they don't need to be rescued. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I see that I, if I believe that I don't need to be rescued, then that means that one of two things, either I'm not really in any danger or I'm in the horrible plight of not realizing just how dangerous my position really is.
1: Mm-hmm. The bottom line is that, that uh, people that don't know what Christmas is all about don't care. Some combination of the 2 mm-hmm and or are perfectly content for it to be a secularized holiday filled with Santas and gifts and tinsel and garland and snowballs and frosty and all these different things. And so our job is to leaven and fill this town with the knowledge of what's at stake to demonstrate the need for a Savior. Because if you don't look at that child in a manger and see that child as a Savior, if you see that child as anything but your Savior, then you see that child incorrectly. I mean, you could see him as king and lord and so forth, but savior's got to be part of that equation. So the work we've got ahead of us is one of, of education. And if that work is not undertaken, if men such as us do not uh, take on this effort here in Gillette, then we'll continue to be in a vast minority, we'll continue to squeal when Christmas gets secularized. And at the end of the day, we shouldn't be surprised because that's what will happen if the gospel does not fill and does not leaven this this community.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes I mean, it's hard for people to give hope, joy, and peace to the poor in spirit and those in trouble. But we have something to give.
1: Well, and, and what's frustrating to me is when you do have lost and hurting people, and you have people at Christmas time you know, who have having the blue Christmas, uh, who, who are uh, in, in emotional, spiritual, financial turmoil. What I've heard recently is people telling, well, you, you need the Christmas spirit. <laughs> As if the Christmas spirit was <laughs> so like some ethereal universe. thing that <laughs> just fills the air, you know, from December 1st through 25th. Mm-hmm. It, it does not work that way. There's no nebulous Christmas spirit that'll make you ultimately happy. It'll simply be a distraction. If you get caught up in gift giving and gift receiving, And the tinsel and all the things we talked about, apart from Christ, it won't matter, it won't last, and in January you'll be just as despondent as you were earlier. So the Christmas spirit has to step aside and Christ has to stand in its place.
3: I think it's kind of a a humbling thing for people. um, Because when when they think about, well, why does Christmas really matter? I mean, in my everyday life, why does following Christ matter? Why, Why does Christianity matter? Um, we, we want all these things, like a peaceful city, healthy healthy marriages, you know, joy in the homes, uh, good parenting, you know, strong citizens, hel- helping the poor. The message of of Christianity is you can't do that. So where do we get the power to 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 do that? To have the the, the health and the strength and the you know, and, and the message of Christmas is you need rescue, you need help, you need enabling, you need. You need power, and it's supernatural power. Mm. You know, it, it's kind of a, you know, we don't really teach that in America. We teach, you can do it. You know, buck up. Try harder, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially here in the Cowboy Spirit, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> but the message of Christmas is you can't do it. Mm-hmm. But God can do it through you, through the Holy Spirit, through the empower, you know, empowerment of the cross.
2: It's natural who we are. We want to focus on the positive and the good, and, focus on the pleasantry of Christmas and the spirit of Christmas, as you said. And we pick and choose Bible verses the same way. Um, You know, John 3.16 is the most often quoted, most known Bible verse there is. But people ignore verse 18, which basically says, well, 17, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Verse 18, the world's already condemned. And so... God sent his son because he loves us, because he loves the world. Yes, that's absolutely true. But there's a downside is is the world is already condemned. And in that condemnation that we're already under, God sent his son to free people. Mm -hmm. And that's the good news of Christmas is God sent his son to this world. He sent his son for Gillette, Wyoming. Not to condemn this world, and Christians have been accused of being condemning. No, the world's already condemned. We're bringing good news, and that's Christmas. It's good news. And so it, it's our job to bring that message. It's a job of every believer, not just pastors. I'm not saying our job as pastors. I'm saying our job as any believer is to bring the good news that that Christmas means more than... Than presence and, and fun it 's about God loving us so much that He came to a people who were already condemned to set them free.
4: Well, I think the, the broad reach of the of the gospel story that 's related to Christmas is the fact that no one is outside of the, the reach of the gospel. We think of the fact that Jesus was born essentially in a horse trough. In, outside, so to speak, and his announcement was made by shepherds who were the lowest class of people in that day. so we think about sometimes people feel on the opposite side, sometimes people feel well, i 'm not i 'm not really worthy i 'm not religious i 'm none of these things, and yet to realize that the gospel reaches to all levels economic, social levels and and even spiritual levels because mm-hmm. You know, people have various degrees in their own mind of spirituality. And they say, well, I sort of Christianize myself a little bit during the holidays. But the good news is that Jesus Christ doesn't come to just Christianize us a little bit and give us a little dose of Christianity that we can add to the portfolio. But he comes to give us hope and new life and strength and liberate us from all those things that would keep us in bondage and eternally condemn us. Mm-hmm.
2: I really like the, the Christmas looking, at, looking back at like my, my youth group and seeing the fact that several of the people who've been coming to the youth group who don't have a clue who Jesus is when they started coming, you see people start to form a relationship and a, and a love and a passion and drive for, for Jesus. And as you come into the, this Christmas season, you're able to focus them back on and train them. What is Christmas all about? Why is this, why is this important? And you see the, the, the passion for, for the lost, the passion for Christ, and everything that Christ has done for them and how He has changed them, and just the reality of changed lives in the middle of a hurting and desperate world and there are some desperately, desperately lost high school kids, college kids in this town, like anywhere. And to see that Christ is still coming alongside them, and He's still changing them, that's Christmas.
3: I think personally for me, uh, Christmas, it kind of renews my hope. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest of the year, I'm trying to, to get an identity out of being a good employer, employee, you know, out of working hard. Trying to be a, a good leader in my family, you know, and and, and all these things, money and power, all, all these things that we kind of, or I kind of get caught up in, it basically worshiping. Rest of the year, at Christmas, I'm kind of liberated or set free from the. My identity is not in how you know how hard I work, how good of a father I am, how wonderful a husband I am. My identity is wrapped up in this 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 Savior, who can set me free from all these you know entanglements that I get caught up in the re- my identity is not in, you know not in what I do but what he's done for me he's forgiven me and he's also given me his righteousness he's given me his uh holiness he's given me his purity he's clothed me with the, the clothing that I need which is white and clean and without wrinkle or spot
1: i think what is particularly
3: encouraging is
1: is the thought of God coming down in the form of a babe, being born in a stinky, smelly manger, to live with stinky, smelly, sinful people <laughs> across the duration of his life. The idea that this is not a God who created the universe and then went away to sit on some distant cloud and just to watch us from afar, but rather this is a God who entered into the midst of our hurts and entered into the midst of our sinfulness and took it upon himself. The relational aspect... That is spoken to in the incarnation, in Christ taking on the the, the, the form of man. Uh, that there's no other religion that can that has this sort of connotation. There's no other sort of religion that demonstrates the love and the grace of the God of all all creation, the Alpha and the Omega, coming down in the form of a, of a child. So the hope that I have at Christmas time and throughout the year. Is that this God is one who is tempted as i've been tempted he, he, he endured what I, has, I have endured He can relate to what I have gone through and in, in in spite of who I am and because of who he is, he loves me still so there's a great amount of hope that comes forth at, at Christmas time right. relational peace is huge,
2: especially for for people who who are hurt and lost and relationships are breaking, divorces are, are prolific, to actually have a God
4: who cares enough to enter in a relationship is just gigantic. I think it also restores our hope in the miraculous, because you think of all of the, the miracles, the fulfillment of prophecy, but all the miraculous things that were happening around the time of Christ's birth, including of course Christ's birth and, and the miraculous way in which He came, so I think it it's, it's a season, from a secular standpoint, people believe in miracles, but we believe in the God of the miraculous, and that separates us. And that is a key element, I think, to the hope of Christmas.
3: Well, on, on behalf of Gospel to Gillette, we'd like to wish all of you listening uh, a blessed, merry, Christ-filled Christmas
4: time this year. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, go to gospel to That's gospel dot Be listening for future podcasts. This podcast is a production of KLWD Radio.